spread out. Some of you are spaced out. I feel a little spaced out myself today. Um, but I want you to look around right now. Just look around. Somebody sitting. Everybody is participating. If you don't participate, Jesus will see. <clears throat> Here's what we want to do. Before I put my kids to bed at nighttime, I will say something and I will say, guys, tell me what was the best part of your day today. And they'll think, they'll go through their heads, and it's funny because they always like, Jude will like rattle off his entire day. Like, I will know everything he's done from the moment he woke up. Uh, Kira will think, Titus usually, I have to ask him a couple of times, and then he'll rattle something off, and that's it. But go ahead and think about it, and I ask you the same question. What so far on this Wednesday has been the best part of your day. Let you let you just kind of think about that. And then I just want you to lean to the closest person to you. Tell tell about two or three people around you if they're they're close enough to you and just say, "Hey, the best part of my day so far today was." And just go ahead and tell some people around you. Jesus is watching. If you're online and you're willing to share with us, come on, just type it out. Say, the best part of my day is or was, and just go ahead and share it online if you're watching or if you're archived and watching. If you're willing to share, we invite you to do that. Lord, has everyone participated? If not, I pray grace over them. We don't want Ananias and Sapphira to happen over something like this. No, I'm just kidding. You're like, what's, what's that? You don't want to know. So, anybody find something out about someone that you're like, man, that was, that was really interesting that, that that happened to them. Anyone? No? Find something interesting out? Well, our words, our words are powerful. Our words are powerful. And I know I'm not foolish enough to think every one of us has this wonderful thing that took place today. For some, we have days where we go, I'd have to really think about that. But words often they will reveal the condition of our heart. And so tonight, I just want to speak on this very one-word, simple topic. Words. That's it. Just words. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to gather tonight on this Wednesday night, Principles for Life. Thank you for everyone who is here, everyone who is watching online now. Maybe we'll watch online later. God, I just pray that, uh, that you would anoint me for this purpose, to stand here tonight and to deliver what it is that you want to say to us. And Lord Jesus, let our hearts and minds be open so that we can not only receive information, but then put that information in that, into practice, which will then transform, transform into wisdom in our lives. So help us with that. In your name I pray. Amen. So words... Reveal the condition of our heart. And from our heart then flows communication. And that communication will often be what reveals what the heart, whether the heart is pure or corrupt. Therefore, in order for our hearts to, to our hearts overflow to be one of purity, there has to be inner transformation. The Bible has a lot to say about actions, attitude, conduct conversation. When considering Christian living, we are instructed and admonished to exhibit not only godly behavior, that's, that's biblical, but also godly conversation and speech, which is also biblical. So it's behavior and conversation and speech. One of the, most pow one of the many powerful things that Jesus said 
is found in Matthew 15, 11. It says, he says, not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. There's a correlation of the inner and the outer being that is 100% identifiable by our speech and our words. Matthew 12, 34, he says, O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. Jesus consistently condemned the Pharisees for the incongruency between their inner and their outer man. Hey, y'all are doing this, but whitewashed sepulchers at one point he called them because the outside looks the part, but the inside is this. And so he's... he's, he's He's making it clear that it's not one or the other, it should be both. And so that's why when we just read in Matthew 12, this was said by Jesus. He condemned them, not because of their external appearance, but because they identified who and what they were by their words. Now, anyone good at math, would you say you're good at math? All right. A handful of people. Good at math. Well, in school, we all learned about congruent triangles, okay? Whether or not you remember that you learned these, you did, okay? To be congruent, anybody have an idea of what you would guess that to mean? It means in agreement or in harmony, identical in form. Coincide, coinciding exactly. Looks like it, right? The triangles we're looking at right now are congruent. They are agreement in, in agreement in, or harmony. They are identical in form, coinciding exactly. Well, our inner and our outer being should be congruent. Meaning what we are on the inside should be in agreement or in harmony, identical in form, coinciding exactly to who I say that I am. We don't talk one way, but then the inside is different than our words. This is not only inconsistent, I would say it's hypocritical. I would even go as far as to argue that this is probably one of the reasons why our world as a whole is less interested in Christianity today than maybe in times past because people who proclaim Jesus with their lips deny him with their lifestyle. And as DC Talk said in a song, that is what the unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. When Jesus steps into a life, true transformation can and should take place. Speaking in tongues is, is not as crazy as some in our world would maybe try to portray. Everything I am saying today is based on the premise that our words are a reflection of what's inside. You want to know what's inside a person? Just spend some time with them. Eventually, you will hear the way they speak. And what they say will come out, and that is just the reflection of what's here. Now, if we only see each other on Sundays, we're probably all really, really, really seasoned veterans on how to play the part. We can all walk in for a couple hours on a Sunday and go, praise the Lord, brother. Good to see you, sis. God is good. Hallelujah. All the time, God is good. Yes. Good to see you, brother. Hey, let's go to the altar. Let's get together. And we know how to play the part. But when you spend time outside of service and really interact with someone, not just that's 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 face to face conversation, text message, social media. You eventually start to see what's really inside, and so it's not all just sin or not sin. Sometimes you talk to somebody, and the conversation's just always about money. Well, there's probably what's inside is. I would get. I, I would. You can say, well, yeah, it's hard to judge by that. But if someone's always talking about money, there's probably a good chance they're battling some greed, or even anxiety about the money. Somebody talks to you, and all every time you talk, they're all just just talking sports, just sports all the time. Uh, not nothing ever comes out of their mouth other than sports. 
Well, it's, you don't need to be a genius to go, man, sports really consumes that person. And so what, what comes out? It's kind of like, well, I don't know where that came from. Somebody slipped and cussed when they got really angry. No, that comes from a place. It comes from what's inside. And so we need to be congruent triangles. What does Jesus do, though, when I say about when I referred to speaking in tongues? He fills us with his spirit. You see, everything I am saying today is a reflection of what's inside. And the evidence that we are filled with his spirit is what? We sp- you guys know this, right? We speak with other tongues as the spirit gives us the utterance. He touches the tongue. James calls the tongue the most unruly member of our body. And if you've lived long enough, you know both in yourself and in others, that's true. Jesus takes our tongue and a miraculous change takes place. We begin to speak a heavenly language that we have never spoken before. What is this? It's more than just apostolic doctrine, God's plan. It's more than that. This is a literal and physical manifestation of how words coming out of our mouth reflect a change that has taken inside of us. You see, words, when I speak, I use these examples about sports or money or, or, or whatever, or anger or, or cuss words. Like, it's, things are coming out that are on the inside. Well, God says, James, James says, the, the, the tongue's the most unruly member. So he says, I'm going to put my spirit inside of you. And true to human fashion and form, there's going to be words that will come out that reflect the change on the inside through the mouth. And so now there's an outward manifestation in our lives. It starts with our tongue and our words. And again, well, speaking in tongues, is that some crazy, what far out there stuff? Study the Bible. When you go back to the book of Genesis and you read in Isaiah and you read in Ezekiel and read the Old Testament prophets and you read people prophesying about this and you read about the Tower of Babel and you read about how, how, uh, the, the way that the human body works and that even that the, 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 the speech is the reflection of what's inside, you can start to look at all this and go, you know, it's really, it's really not that crazy, but I think it's crazy because I haven't been raised with it because I'm not accustomed to it. I say this all the time. If, if, if I said, guys, you see the rainbow after the rain today? We would ding twice. We'd say, where was it? Oh, I missed it. I love rainbows. But now if you were just born today and you had this adult understanding and I said, guys, did you see the rainbow? And you said, what's a rainbow? It is, what, six colors in a rainbow, right? Seven? I can't, Roy G. Biv is what they said. Yep, that's seven. And so if you said, man, there were prisms of light that were coming from the sky, coming, and, 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 and it's a reflection that you see through refracted light, and you see these different colors, and do you know we, none of us actually see the exact same rainbow because of the ways that it reflects off our eye lens and, and all this stuff? Like, you would be looking at me like, you're insane. Why? Because if you didn't experience that or you weren't raised with that, there's just things out in, in, in humanity. If I said, oh, do you know what? Every 24 hours, it goes from light to dark and light to dark as the earth orbits on its axis and goes around the sun. And, you know, and you'd be like, you're insane. But see, when you've been taught these things and raised with these things and you've experienced these things, that's totally normal. If somebody tries to tell you you're insane for believing that the earth orbits or, uh, or that uh, there's actually no such thing as a rainbow, you'd be like, are you kidding me? What in the world? Because you've experienced it, because you've been grown up with it, because it's normal to you. And so just because speaking in tongues is not the norm, I wasn't taught that as a kid. I, I, I'd never experienced that yet. Doesn't mean that it's crazy or far-fetched. It's God's plan, and he lays it out in Scripture. And when you, when you even look at the logical side of humanity, not just doctrine, but how words are reflections of what's inside, he now says, I'm going to put my spirit in you, and there's going to be words coming out that, that reflect the true change on the inner being. Oh, wow, that makes a lot of sense. 
See, think about the fruit of God's Spirit. The things that can, these things can almost always be associated with words also. Think about these various fruit. And how are these reflected in what you say or the way you talk? Love. I, I think that we can sense when someone's truly a loving person because you will hear in the way that they speak to people. They're loving. Or joy. You ever talk to somebody that you're like, have you ever had a good day? I mean, I always go back to the same example because I just like, you're Winnie the Pooh. Nobody likes me. And I'm like, man, y'all need, you need friends, Eeyore. I mean, seriously. Peace. You ever talk to someone, their words. Oh, I know life's crazy right now. God's got it under control. I'm not gonna, there's nothing to fear. He tells us to fear not. Certainly, I don't have the answers. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know the one who does. And they just speak peace. Patience. We want what we want, and we want it right now. But you talk to the person who their words say, I know God's got a plan. Some of these things coincide. They go together, too, don't they? But you just sense that patience that they have in the spirit that God's got a plan. Gentleness, the gentle words that come out of people. Kindness, try and teach our children this. We try to teach this. Why? Because kindness is so important. Be kind. Don't say that that's mean. That's rude. Don't talk like that. You got to be kind. It's a reflection of what's in here. Goodness, being, being good, being a good person, saying good things, right things, pure faithfulness. Self-control, our, our mouths, our words will certainly give us away when we lack self-control. But you look at these things, you go, see, all these things aren't just correlated to biblical, these aren't just biblical principles and doctrines, these are principles for life. And he says, this is the fruit of my spirit. If my spirit fills you, it's not just speaking in tongues one time and saying, I should be able to get into heaven now, but there should be fruit, meaning there's something planted in the ground, it's watered, and then there is increase, there is growth, there is healthy, healthy vegetation, so to speak. Well, if the spirit is truly working in our lives, there should be Growth in love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Yeah, but you can't judge them. You'll judge them by the fruit that they bear. So guess what? Judge not lest ye be not judged. For whatever way you're going to judge someone else, you're going to be judged in that same way. Whatever measure you meet, shall be measured again unto you. So... If I'm, I, 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 I would think if I'm going to, if I throw stuff through windows and cuss and swear, I'm, I think you're going to have a pretty, it's pretty safe for you to be able to judge me that I'm not walking with God. And so our words will, will reflect what's going on in here. And so be careful sometimes the way you converse with people, the things you say to, to spouse, to children, to people in the church, people in the community, bosses, coworkers. Why? Because... Everything is a reflection of what's truly going on inside. Our mouths will eventually reveal whether or not we're close to God. And I know maybe somebody might have disagreed with that. And that's fine. You can disagree with that. But I'm standing on that statement. Our mouths will eventually reveal whether or not we're close to God. Our mouths will reveal if God's spirit is still being allowed to work inside of us. People will know us by the fruit that we bear. Well, what's the fruit? Well, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. 
And that's not just actions. Those are words. That's, that's, that's verbiage. That's what comes out of our mouth. If I say, imagine a person who just speaks peace. You might think of someone in your head. You might have a face or a name in your, in your, in your mind right now. When I say, speak, think of a person who just is always speaking love. Thinking of a person who's always so kind. You think about that because that's the, that's the fruit of that that person bears on a regular basis. And it's a reflection of that person's walk with God. Spirit-filled believers, we sh- our speech should betray us. You know, you ever hear the statement like, oh, yeah, but their speech betrayed them. Like, our world is afraid of that. Like, there's fear. And, oh, don't, did my speech betray me on that one? We should be going, I hope my speech betrays me. As a spirit-filled believer, if God's spirit's in me, and yes, he took over that tongue, and I spoke in tongues as the spirit gave me the utterance, I hope the fruit of his spirit, his spirit's continually working, so then the fruit that's coming out in actions and speech is one that's pointing to the fact that he is still at work. We should want our speech to betray us if what is inside is what God wants us to be. 1 Peter 1.15 says, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. In apostolic Pentecostal circles, we believe in holiness. Holiness is something that starts in the inside, reflects to the outside. It impacts the way we dress. It impacts the way we speak. It impacts the way we worship. It impacts the way we sacrifice. It impacts the way we give. Holiness is an, is an entire life. It's not just one component. And he says specifically here, holiness should come to our conversation. Unfortunately. Man, I wish I didn't have to say this, but... I've been around even preachers, people who stand in pulpits. And they have private conversations that are much different than the way they preach. Now, I'm not saying that I'm always going to converse about the same topics. You know, yeah, there's times that I'm probably not going to chat with you about the Royals record in the pulpit. But I don't mind having that conversation outside the pulpit. But I'm talking about character. I'm talking about, you go, what, what just came out of their mouth? Sometimes things are said that you're going, ah, where did that come from? These things should not be. I want, I want us to be congruent triangles. In agreement or harmony, identical in form, coinciding exactly inside and outside, that I pray that who I am speaking here is who I am when you talk to me on Friday morning and Saturday afternoon and Monday night. I pray that who I am here is after I've had the best day of my life and after I've had the worst day of my life. I pray, and I'm not there yet, but I pray that after the best day of my life and the worst day of my life, I'm still speaking peace. Joy, patience, loving, kind, self-control, gentle, good. Why? Because I want to be a congruent triangle. I want to be, no matter what challenge is going on in my life, I want my words to be a reflection of what's inside. I want my speech to betray me, and prayerfully it's betraying that, hey, that's a spirit-filled man of God that God's still working on. And notice he says, in holy and all manner of conversation. How do we do this? Well, I would say that our conversation should be with pure motives. Our speech should reflect the one who's inside of us. Jesus provides an example for us, like he always does. We never see him. Show me a scripture. Show me a passage anywhere in the Bible where Jesus is like, hey, what's up with Peter? I mean, a guy thinks he's something. He's a, he's a fisherman. I don't know who he thinks he is. I mean, what's going on with Bartholomew? Who names their kid Bartholomew anyway? You know what I'm saying? Like, 
We don't ever see him gossiping or complaining to someone about someone else. Why in the world would we think it's okay then? Why, if we never one time see Jesus go to someone and talk about someone else in a negative light and say, see, like, oh, yeah, but he talked about the Pharisees. Oh, all he did was repeat what he said right in front of their face. You don't read about him. Even if, if there was ever a time, if there was ever a time, how about Judas? I mean, I think you're justified to go, hey, guys, there's a knucklehead in the group, and he's sitting right there. This guy's a loser. Don't even trust him, okay? He's the one that let me down. He's going to betray me with a kiss. Just keep your eye on him because he's a leaker. He walks up to Judas, and from what it seems like in Scripture, he comes up and goes, what you do, do quickly. It seems like it wasn't even public. It seems like he didn't even talk to others about where this guy was in his mind and heart. It seems like he didn't even say, hey, guys, this guy, I'm telling you what. What an example of love. What an example of grace and goodness and and self-control and, and, and kindness. And after all, that's, that's all a reflection of his spirit, which is why it's called fruit of his spirit. But if he didn't do it, then why would we think it's okay in modern church? And I say it's okay, like that doesn't mean we're doing it here. But I'm saying why would humanity think it's okay to go, hey, I don't know if you've heard about so-and-so. When did Jesus do that? Yeah, I'm just telling you this so you can help me pray. Yeah, right. Do you think I'm a fool? Hey, you know, pastor or church leadership, I just don't agree with them. Well, that's fine. Everybody's here not going to agree with me at some point. But come talk to me. Don't talk to anybody else. Let's work it out, you and me. So I'm saying that whether it's about leadership, whether it's about someone else in the pew next to you, whether it's about family, whether it's about children, whether it don't, we never see Jesus take his words and go badmouth somebody behind their back. Not even Judas. I will say this, your message becomes far more powerful after God takes you through it rather than just preaching about it. It's, it's so much, it's a challenge to put together a message. It's a lot, of course, hopefully every message, you, know, you just wait for God's voice to just boom from the heavens. Go to the book of Matthew. And you're like, yes, I love when that happens. Other times I'm studying, I'm researching, I feel quick in my spirit, quicken in my spirit. Other times I see a passage and I'm like, oh my goodness, I just read that. That totally connects to that. Messages are given to me by God in different ways. But no matter what, preaching them is way easier than living them. I'll never forget, I had preached my last message before we lived, we were in, living in Wisconsin and we had lost our job. We had just bought the house, just had Kiera. So Kiera's like six months old, and I had preached a weekend revival, and my last message that Sunday night was um, about who am I to you or something. And I talked about how he's the I am of every situation, and we got a call that next morning. Hey, I sold the company. You're un- you, your wife, are unemployed in less than 48 hours. I remember I looked at my wife, and I just was like, man, it's way easier to preach that than it is to live it. Because I can get up and say these things. We should all just go do it. And then all of a sudden it happens to you and you're like, man, it was so much easier with a microphone in a pulpit. But you know when you go through something and, and you learn to still speak words of love, joy, peace, 
patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. There's something in you that grows and the, the fruit of the Spirit just, you, you graduate to that next step as you keep going and, and some of you, I don't know why God keeps letting this happen to me. I have an idea. Because he loves you so much that he's trying to get you past that grade and on to the next one. So instead of cursing God in your situation, just buy a mirror and look at it and go, where am I lacking? What am I missing here, God? It's not every trial doesn't mean because you're wrong. But when you go through things, things happen. And that's why there's something so powerful about elders and veteran saints of God that we must never take for granted. Elders are not somebody who used to do this and used to have it, and now they're just hanging around. No, elders are crucial to the church. They've been there. They've survived, they've thrived, they've gone through the fire, they've climbed mountains, they've lived through valleys, and they're not just still here, but they're still praising God. And so we'd be wise every once in a while when something happens in our lives to go to that elder and go, hey, I see some gray hairs on your head. That's why, don't dye the gray hairs. Let everybody see them. There's wisdom. A crown of glory. Does scripture not say these things? And just say, you've lived for God a long time. I'm in a season of struggle. Can you, can you just tell me a, how you did it? How you're still praising him and living and loving. I know you've gone through your share of heartache and discouragement and disappointment. And I just, I just want to pick your brain. Just, I, want to just, I just want you to spill some of that knowledge my way. Don't try and act like because we're younger. We got the world by the tail. Sometimes we just need the voice of the elder. We'd all be wise to pray this simple prayer. And it is, Father, is what I'm saying pure in motive and pleasing to you? So we got to look at pure in motive because we're, there's a lot of manipulation in our world, little passive-aggressive comments. Oh, there's not many things in my world that irritate the fire out any more than that. I would rather someone come up and go, can I talk to you? I can't stand you right now. I will respond better to that than I will to passive aggressive comments. <laughs> Must be nice. Just tell me what's on your mind. Obviously, you're not happy with me. Stop beating around the bush and tell me. We got to look at motive and pleasing. Lord, is what I'm saying pure in motive? And is it pleasing to you? Lord, guard the, the, the bridge, the gate, be the gatekeeper of my lips. I know that you've never almost said something to someone that you wanted to say to them and didn't. But you see, I believe if we pray this prayer, God will touch our hearts. He'll give us the answer. And we'll find that when we're spirit-led, spirit-led means our words, our mouth too. When you say spirit-led in an apostolic Pentecostal church, we just think mean pray in the spirit. That's a component. But being spirit-led is also, God, 
I want to converse with this person, or this person really got me mad, or I'm going into this meeting. God, be the guard, the gatekeeper of my lips. Lord, I want to check my motive, and is what I'm feeling and saying pleasing to you? If not, show me. Impress things upon me. Even though I think I'm in the right, I need to look at myself right now and go, God, is there anything in me that you need to bring to the surface right now and scrape and scrub away? You see, I'm sure, I'm certain that almost all of us can finish this statement that we learned as a child. I'll be surprised if anybody can't. Sticks and stones. Go ahead, say it loud. I'm pretty sure that was it. You were all in different places, but I'm pretty sure that was it. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I would love to meet the author of this little song or statement or poem, whatever it's called, because this person was either 100% stupid or a pathological liar. And I just want to know which one it was. Like, I want to know who the per- what did that person look like? I'm just curious. Because we all know that words not only hurt, words destroy. Words cause lifelong trauma if used ineffectively. Most of us can recall specific moments in our lives. We could probably take one another back to exact spots in other parts of the country, the state. We could walk someone to the, to the, to the place that someone said something that hurt us. You could tell us, we could stand up here and talk about what grade we were in, the name of the person, how old you were, sometimes from childhood, sometimes from adulthood. When someone spoke something to you that devastated you, it hurt you so bad, and even now, you, you probably still carry the scars. Some of you haven't even healed from it. It hurts that bad. Scripture was right when it says, Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Like a brick. If you have a brick, a brick, you can chuck this brick through a window and just cause destruction. Or you can start to build something. Your tongue is that same way. You can use that thing to just, right now, there's no doubt. We talk about passing the microphone. If we were some weird, crazy group of people that just wanted to tear each other, we could pass this microphone around, and we could talk about the weaknesses of everybody in the room. Y'all could start with me, and I'm sure there'd be a lot. Why? Because there's no, there's no perfect human being. No one in here has it all together. And so we could cause so much damage just by saying, all right, now we're going to start with Sister Alice. Stand up, Sister Alice. Let's all talk about all the things we don't like about her. (laughs) And that would be one. I would be hard-pressed to come up with literally anything about her I don't like. She's awesome. You think about someone who's got the fruit of the Spirit. That's Sister Alice. Love, joy. Peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, goodness. I didn't have that in my notes, Sister Alice, but I feel that way about you. Yeah. But that brick, you'll tear someone down, or it's either destruction or building, construction or destruction. The tongue is that. It's construction or destruction. James was the pastor of the Jerusalem church, and I'm not much longer here, in the Bible. And he didn't just say the tongue was an unruly member like, we just, like we've referenced. He gave, he gave a scathing review of our tongues. At different points, he said he called it fire, a world of iniquity, a member that defiles the whole body, an unruly evil, full of deadly poison, and no one can tame. Uh, thank God for that. 
And our modern church looks to this teaching and these warnings, and we're then admonished to watch how we speak because just a little fire can burn down a whole city. We saw that, what, eight years ago, something like that, in California? My wife and her family grew up paradise. It's just, poof, just you get something dry enough, and that just, just you just light a match and throw it out into a field, and an entire city can burn up. It happens. You know what? Just to think about how, as much as God, we're looking at churches and we're like, where do you want to go, God? And Guests are coming in, and people are getting filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name. God's doing great things. Got a youth group that we're hearing them laugh and, and have a good time. The kids are having their, their party for their end of semester, and we had more children in children's ministry this past Sunday than ever before. This is incredible. But do you know that our words could destroy this? We could start tail-bearing and backbiting and gossiping and talking about one another and, and speaking death instead of life talking about the journey being uh, uh, this and this instead of, hey, God's got this. And, and all of a sudden, the culture, it, it would take a lot because we talked about needs, me needs 20-some people or something. It would take a lot. But if you can find someone that will take on your negative spirit, it can quench the fires of revival. And so it's important that, that not just as a church, but every ministry, if you're a ministry director, department head, the, the culture needs to be protected in every single ministry, in every single department, every single small group. Our words can quickly spread and destroy things around us. It's construction or destruction. But James says, no man can tame the tongue. I have great news tonight as we close. I'm not here with any ideas for us to tame our own tongues. Scripture says that can't be done. So I'm not going to tell you, well, one of the ways we want to try to tame our tongue, I'm going to teach you something that Scripture says can't happen. Can't tame this thing. But I know the one who will take our tongues and use it for his glory. And if I'm led by the Spirit, instead of led by the flesh, I can construct something instead of destroy something. But if I'm walking daily just trying to go, what can I do better? I need to do I need to work harder. I need to do this. I, it can't be tamed. But if I go, hang on a second here. I've spoken in tongues. I've been filled with the Spirit. God's Spirit is inside of me. I want the fruit of His Spirit to be evident in my actions and in my conversation. Let me be holy in all manner of conversation, like Peter said. Now, instead of destroying some things, I can begin to construct some things. And so... We know the tongue tamer. Our Lord and Savior, he wants, and he wants to fill us with his spirit. And that's what I want you to see. This is not just apostolic doctrine. This is some real principles for life. Being filled with the Holy Ghost is not just eternal news or, or, or plan of salvation or doctrine. This is principles for life. Because he says, you know what? No one can tame the tongue, but I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to replace the heart of flesh, the stony heart of flesh, with the heart of the spirit. That's working from the inside out. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take your tongue, and you're going to speak with other tongues as my spirit gives you utterance. So that the inside changes, and it's reflected by what's coming out. And you're going to speak a brand new heavenly prayer language. And your tongue is the first method of communication that shows there is true internal change. That's not the last, that's not the last sign. That's the first, the initial sign. Hey, there's a change taking place in here. And it starts right here by what I'm speaking. But as I keep living, I want the fruit to continue to come out. You see, in order for true change to be lasting change, we have to continue. We have to continue to speak in tongues. If the last time you spoke in tongues was the first time you got it, it's time to speak in tongues again. 
We have to continue in the presence of our Savior, continue to have Him mold and shape us. Just like we don't start a fire in our fireplace. I had a real fireplace in my last house. I love the fireplace. I had a bonfire at a camp this past week. I didn't put wood on the fire and come back and, and wake out in the morning and go, what in the world? The fire's not going. Man, the fire should have been going. No, 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 no. You have to add wood. You have to, as, as Paul said to Timothy, fan again the flame of what was once there and so there has to be things in us that go all right god you put that in here it started with the initial sign i want the fruit of the spirit to begin to operate i want i want my words and my actions to reflect that you're still doing a work in me and if i just i just enjoyed seven weeks ago when i spoke in tongues and came to an altar that's not fanning again the flame I want to live daily. I want, I want every day to be putting wood on the fire going, I got to keep this thing going. I can't have this thing die out. I can't have this thing dwindle. After all, he says, I'm a light. I'm a city that's set on a hill. I'm, I don't put my, my candle under a bushel. I got to let that thing shine. In order to let that thing shine, I got to keep that thing alive. And so as you stand to your feet tonight, our words... Reveal the condition of our heart. Think back to what you've been saying, to what you've been speaking. I know there's challenges going on, there's circumstances, but just because there's a challenging circumstance does not mean that God goes, fine, for the next week, just speak death instead of life. No. Our words are a reflection of what's here. And our words are only changed when our hearts are changed by Jesus. And if you're finding, I'm not, oh, I don't like the way I've been speaking. If, if I was a friend to me, I wouldn't even want to be around me, right? Isn't that us sometimes? I'll say that again, because you're like, hang on a second. If you were being a friend to you, are there times you wouldn't want to be around you because of the way you were speaking? let that be the case if that is it's time to put I'll let humility rise put pride down and go you know what Lord I don't think I'm where I want to be on the inside because I'm hearing myself talk and I'm going I don't like that I don't like that and see so you know what the world will do Get a self-help book. Try and change. Try and... No, it, it, it starts with Jesus. It starts by going, God, I got to get in your presence. God, work on me. God, as painful as it is, bring the ugliness to the surface. Get that, get scraped away. Wash it away, God. Help me, Jesus. I want to reflect your image. I want the fruit of your spirit operating in me. God, I want this tongue. I want to begin to speak in tongues again to remind it. Oh, you know what? You put that initial sign in me, but you're still the only one that can tame this thing that scripture tells me I can't tame alone. God, let as I get into your presence and I begin to speak another language, which doesn't happen to happen just on Sundays and Wednesdays, but any time when you're in the presence of God and you begin to worship him, you can begin to speak that heavenly language once again. And what happens is as you, because you can't speak that heavenly language without being in his presence and as you get into his presence and you just begin to worship him and speak that heavenly language what's happening is what's coming out of the mouth is a reflection of what's going on inside and so church if you've never been filled with the holy ghost my goodness tonight wednesday night it can happen if you if you haven't been filled in a long time and it's like man i, I need to be refilled come on do we, do we, we don't need a specific praise team, song, speaker, number of people. God is here. You can come and find a place to pray and start to reflect on the way you've been speaking. Start to look at what's in here and go, God, I want to reflect your image. I want my actions to be right, but I want my conversation. I want to be that triangle, that congruent triangle that says inside and outside. It's equal. It's identical. I want to reflect you, Jesus. I invite you to find a place to pray tonight. I invite you to come and look introspectively in your heart and say, okay, what's there? What's been coming out of my... If you say, I don't know what's there. I don't know how to tell. Look back at the way you've been talking. Listen to the words that are coming out of your mouth. That is going to be probably your greatest sign of what's the condition of the heart. Too often we go, I don't know what the condition of my heart is. How can I tell? 
listen to the words coming out of your mouth. That is a telltale sign of the condition of your heart. Adore you. 